man. Boy, if there's ever a song we should hoop and holler and dance at, it is that song. Not just because of, uh, of, of how, uh, because of the message. I mean, think about the message of that song. That, um, you know, he took on what we deserved. Um, and such a beautiful song, and such a beautiful song to sing to, to communion. Um, that reminder of what Christ has done. You know, every time uh, when we do communion, I was thinking of what communion must have been like uh, for the first church, for the church in Acts. Because, you know, they had, they had seen Jesus dying on the cross. They, they had heard him telling them to remember. And I always wonder when they gathered together what their remembering was like. And the power of the remembering. And, and when they took that bread, they saw Jesus' broken body. And they remembered. When they, when they drank that wine, they remembered the shed blood that they saw coming down off of the cross. And it reminded them, I think as it reminds us, is that, that our unity as the body is in Christ. It's in the work that he did. It's in his broken body and his shed blood. We can have lots of differences and disagree on things, but it is the cross. It is Jesus Christ that unites us. And whenever we do communion, whenever we gather together for the Lord's Supper, it should remind us of what draws us together, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why it's such a beautiful reminder for us. We have some life moments. You know, here at Fairlawn, we, we like to share life moments so that we can celebrate together and pray together. Um, very seldom do we have like three life moments, all from different stages. Uh, but this week, um, on Thursday, uh, Corey Lynette Detweiler welcomed Madeline K. Detweiler into the world. And so what it means that Corey and Lynette had a daughter, it means that I got to become a grandpa again. And it is a really, if you haven't been a grandparent yet, it's really cool. I mean, being a parent is really cool too. A lot less stress than being a grandpa. And so we welcomed Madeline Kay uh, to the world uh, this week. And also yesterday I had the opportunity of marrying Nicole Mast, uh, Rod and Shelley Mast's daughter. Uh, her and Hayden Mobley got married uh, last evening. So pray for them. And then, on a sad note, um, our church lost uh, Lizzie Ann Miller this week. Now, uh, here's something significant about Lizzie Ann Miller. So, 70 years ago, our church was planted in Maysville, Ohio, a little burg just south of here. Well, well Henry and Lizzie Ann were one of the 11 families that, uh, that planted that church 70 years ago, that, that, that in faith left Pleasant View, Mennonite Church down in Holmes County and, and brought their family up and planted the church in Maysville. And Lizzie Ann is, is the last living uh, member at Fairlawn who was a part of that church plant. Um, and so, and Lizzie Ann has been for a while um, waiting on this moment when she could meet Jesus. And so pray for the family. Uh, the viewing is this afternoon. Uh, from 2 to 5, and the funeral tomorrow at 11. So we're talking about this whole thing this morning of a gospel-centered community. 
The title of my message, I was told, is a sentence, but it's what I had to say. It's the beauty of gospel-centered community. Because when we have gospel-centered community as the body of Christ, it is a really, really beautiful thing. And, and we believe here at Fairlawn that gospel-centered community is a core value, something we strive for and work hard at. It just, it's living together in Christ, this whole thing of gospel-centered community. And, and so our tagline for that, uh, our description of that is, is the community of Christ's people ought to interact with one another in a way that is shaped by the gospel. Jesus desires that we would hold our common faith in him at the center of our relationships. And as we do, the world sees the power of the gospel as it unifies a diverse group of people. Bottom line is gospel-centered community is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think the church should be the most beautiful example of a group of people gathering together that, that any community ever sees. You know, one of our greatest forms of evangelism is gospel-centered community. You know, when a community looks at us and they see us loving each other, that is really attractive. And I wonder, do people look at Farallon and say, wow, those people, they love each other. Those people, they care for each other. Because really, that's what Jesus expected of the church, is that the world would look at us and say, those people, they love each other. They must be disciples of Christ. Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, he told his disciples, he says, this new command I give to you, love one another. And as I have loved you, so you must also love each other. Then he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. By the way you love each other. By the way you do community. By the way you care for each other. He says, that will be attractive, and that will preach the gospel. And so as I've thought about this, there, there are seven, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but, but as I was thinking about, about what, what gospel-centered community looks like, what it looks like for us to love each other, um, here are characteristics of a gospel-centered church. I believe. There could be more. The number one thing that, that is characteristic of this community is that gospel-centered communities have a deep love for each other. They love each other. And, and as you look at Scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which we typically look at at weddings. We think 1 Corinthians 13 is a wedding chapter, and it's really not. Now, I use it in weddings, but, but it really isn't a wedding chapter. Paul didn't write it so that we could preach it at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13 is written to a church, and between, uh, uh, between, on either side of chapter 13, Paul is talking about how we exercise our spiritual gifts, how we do church. And right in the middle, he has this love chapter reminding us of why we do what we do. 
And at, at the center, at the core of what we should do, Paul says, is love. He says, look, in verse 1, he says, If I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I have nothing. Paul is saying, look, your number one motivation for serving each other is love. And if you don't do the things that you do in love, he says, they're, they're noisy, they're annoying, they're clanging symbols. He says, whatever you do, body of Christ, you must do it in love. Agape love, unconditional love. And he says, he goes on, he says, body of Christ, love is, love is patient. In other words, Fairlawn, love is patient. Fairlawn, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. Fairlawn Church, it is not self-seeking. And this love, Paul says, it, it, it keeps no record of wrongs. It delights, doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And he says, this is what church is. As the body, he says, this love, it always protects. So we protect each other. That's what love is. It trusts. That's what love is. It, it hopes. It perseveres. And so, so Fairlawn Church the number one characteristic that we should have as a body is that, that we love one another, that we are patient and kind and, 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 and not proud and not rude and not self-seeking. It's a love that is unconditional. And so the number one thing that I see the church needing to be is a church that loves one another. And it's out of that that everything else flows. So I wonder, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you think that we love each other? Think about that. Then on a scale of 1 to 10, what about you personally? How loving are you? How loving am I to the people that sit beside me and across the aisle from me and on the other side of, of the sanctuary from me? Am I really loving? Do I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? As Jesus says, if we do, we preach the gospel. So the number one characteristic of the church is that we love one another. The second thing that I saw is gospel-centered communities extend forgiveness to each other. You see, what makes the church attractive isn't that we're a bunch of perfect people. We all recognize that we are flawed. 
We all recognize that, that, that we mess up and we don't always get it right and, and we do sometimes become impatient and we are sometimes rude and we are sometimes self-seeking. But it is in the midst of that, in the midst of our humanity and our fleshness, that we can forgive each other. You know, the Apostle Paul, we'll cover this later in Romans, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. He says, for, for I, have, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what, what I do is not good, and what I do, no, the, that is evil. I do not want to do this thing that I keep on doing and Paul concludes by saying, what a wretched man that I am. But thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. You see, what we are is we're a bunch of imperfect people who are gathered together, who recognize that Jesus Christ died for us and, and he saved us and he has forgiven us. Therefore, we will forgive one another. We will care for each other. And it is Christ living in us that makes us different from others. And it is Christ living in me that gives me the power and the courage to seek reconciliation. It is Christ living in me that enables me to go to someone and say, I'm really sorry for what I've done. And it is Christ living in me when someone comes to me and says, I'm really sorry. I forgive people. Now, forgiving doesn't mean that we forget necessarily. Forgiving means that we give up the right to punish. And so the body of Christ, as it loves each other, it will forgive each other. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he says, we're to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Each other. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful act. Number one, it frees us from bitterness. And it releases other people. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. And Paul says that, that we bear with each other. You know, I read this story of a, of a father who, who, who lived in, and his son who lived in Spain and, and, and they got into this bitter argument and disagreement and the son left his home. And so for months, the dad looked all throughout his village for his son and, and couldn't find him. So one day he gets this bright idea as he's sitting at a coffee shop because coffee makes you think better and more um, holy. Maybe not. But he's sitting at a coffee shop, and he gets this idea, I'm going to put an ad in the paper. So he puts his ad in the paper, and he says, he says, um, he says this, he says, Dear Peco, meet me in front of the men's clothing shop at 2 p.m. on Friday. You are forgiven, and I love you. So dad goes to the, coffee, goes, goes to the men's clothing store that day in this town in Spain 
And the story goes that, that hundreds of Pecos showed up at the, at the clothing store because they all wanted forgiveness and they all wanted to be reconciled to their father because forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. And forgiveness is one of the things that is characteristic of the body of Christ. Actually, Jesus tells us in Matthew um, chapter 5, he says, look, if you're going to offer a gift at the altar and remember a brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to him and then come back and offer your gift. And what he's saying is, look, if you're on your way to worship, this, this, this applies to us. If you're on your way to worship, if you're here this morning and you have something against a brother or a sister in Christ here, or you know somebody that has something against you, what, 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 what Jesus said was, look, go and make that right. Because in some way, our worship will be hindered if there is unforgiveness in our hearts towards people around us. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing that exists in the body of Christ. And the world will look at us and say, if we exercise this, well, look at those people. Even though they, they, they forgive each other. Scale of one to ten. How well do we forgive each other as a body? And how good are you at forgiving those here? Because our ability to minister to our world is largely dependent on how well we are able to forgive one another. Gospel-centered communities know how to forgive each other. Gospel-centered communities also know how to carry each other's burdens. Point number three. Paul says in Galatians, we're to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Are we good at carrying each other's burdens? Do we want each other's burdens? This word burden here means something that, that is extremely heavy, a weight that we can't carry ourselves. And, and, and I believe that some of us walk into here this morning carrying burdens. And we need to be able to, to invite people into our burdens and allow them to walk with us to help us carry that burden. Because that's what gospel-centered communities do. We carry each other's burdens. We take time to, to ask good questions and to walk with people. But oftentimes, the, the biggest hindrance to us carrying each other's burdens is our inability or our, our invulnerability, our unwillingness to share with people the burdens that we're carrying. And so if you walk in here this morning carrying a burden... God has created this beautiful thing called the church so that we can carry them together. But we are so self-reliant and proud 
that we don't allow people to walk with us and, and we become isolated with our burden. And when we become isolated in these burdens... That, is, that gives Satan a place to work. And, 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 and in 1 Peter, it says that to be self-controlled because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he devours those people who are off by themselves, not willing to invite people into their struggles because of pride a lot of times and because of uncertainty. And so what my encouragement to you is today is, look, if you're carrying a burden, if you walked in here carrying a big backpack of burden, invite people into this journey to help you unload the burden. Because that's what gospel-centered communities do. We love each other. We forgive each other. We carry each other's burdens. And when the world sees us doing that, it's attractive. How well are we at carrying each other's burdens? How good am I at identifying burdens? And then how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how willing am I to allow people to walk with me in those burdens. Because gospel-centered communities love each other, care for each other. Gospel-centered communities, number four, serve one another with joy. In Romans chapter 12, we'll get there next year sometime. Romans says that in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. He says, we have different gifts according to grace given of. As a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy. If it, if it is faith, let him have faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. And he goes on and talks about the different ways that we serve one another. And so what does serving one another look like practically here at, at, at Fairlawn Church? How do we serve one another? How do I do my part? You know, uh, I think Corey told me this. We, we have about 200 people that, that volunteer in some form um, throughout the year here at Fairlawn. On a Sunday morning, there are about 60 people that volunteer to help make things happen. Um, we have 160 kids in our children's ministry. Obviously, that requires volunteers. That requires us serving one another. You know, when a family has a baby, we serve one another by helping take meals in. When a family loses a loved one, what we do is we, we come around the Miller family and, 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 and we help the food committee with food that is served um, this afternoon and, and tomorrow for the funeral. That's one of the things that, that we, need, we need to get better at this. Um... We have a really hard time when, when, when somebody dies to find people to serve. That's unfortunate. 
That's when we need to shine as the body. We need to be surrounding and caring and gathering around each other and serving one another. You know, Peter tells us that, that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Each one of you, every one of you that's received Christ, received a spiritual gift. And he says, you have a speaking gift? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Then do so with the strength and energy that God supplies. Now listen to this. This is what happens when we serve one another. It says then in 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 11, he says, then everything you do, as Peter was talking about serving each other, everything you do will be bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So when we serve one another, Peter says, God is glorified. So our serving has spiritual significance. And my question to you this morning is, number one, how well do we serve each other? It takes a lot of people to make Sunday morning and and Wednesday nights and and all of the other things that that go on here happen. Glen Ridge and and the after-school program. We have people that are very, very committed. But you personally, Scale of 1 to 10. How well do you serve? Because gospel-centered community is one of the things that makes them shine is they serve one another. They serve one another with joy because of their love for each other and their care for each other. And we recognize that when we serve, God is glorified. I'm running out of time. Gospel-centered communities are generous givers. We recognize that our time is not our own. We recognize that, that our talents that we've been given aren't just for me. And we recognize that our treasures, our finances aren't just mine, but they are mine to be a steward of. They, they are given to me so that I can bless the body of Christ with. They're, they're given to me so that I can glorify God. Peter says, or I'm sorry, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, that remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously should also reap generously. All of us have to make a decision. That's not for me to decide or anyone else to decide, but but what does God want you to do with what you have? What does he want you to do with, with, with the time he's given you? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for the next 50 years. What does he want you to do with that time that he's given you? He gives me breath every day for his glory. What are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with the talents you've been given, with the gifts you've been given? And what are you supposed to do with 
with how he's blessed you financially. All questions that the body of Christ that we have to ask ourselves. But gospel-centered communities, they are generous. They're generous. And I see lots of people here being generous. Volunteering in lots of different ways. How well are you doing in that? Gospel-centered communities are committed to praying for each other. In Acts chapter 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we pray for our church family. We make our church family a priority. And so when something comes across the prayer chain and we see it, we stop and we take time. To pray, because, because when my name goes across that line, or, or my wife goes across, or my family member goes I sure hope everybody stops and takes time to pray, and doesn't just like blow it off and say, well, I'll get it, get it maybe later. Gospel-centered communities pray for each other. They make prayer a priority. We pray in private, we pray in groups. You know, something that I think we should always on Sunday mornings when we come here be looking with spiritual eyes to see people who are carrying a burden, who, who may just need us to pray with them. You know, I long for the day and look forward to the day that when I walk through that foyer on Sunday mornings, I see just two people here and two people there just praying for each other. Just taking moments, hey, you know what? Can I pray for you? And I long for that time when, when our conversations aren't consumed with the Buckeyes or the Browns or the Indians or all of these other things, but our time is used to, to care for each other and to pray for each other and to be the church. Because what will attract people here isn't a bigger building or a nicer building or, 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 or incredible worship or, or any of that. What will attract people to this church is the way we care for each other and the way we, one of those ways is we pray. Gospel-centered communities pray for each other. Now, I know that can be uncomfortable. That stretches me to, to, to ask somebody, just say, can I pray for you real quick? Can I pray for you? I'll, I'll be honest, that, that, that stretches me. But, but man, when we start doing that, God is going to do some amazing things because we're willing to pray for one another. One of our core values is, 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 is that, that we believe that when, when we pray, something happens, something changes. How good are you at praying for people here at Fairlawn? And the last thing is gospel-centered communities spur one another on toward radical obedience. We encourage and we challenge each other. 
to follow Jesus hard and, and to do the crazy things that he invites us into doing. You know, the Hebrew writer says that let us, hold, let us hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The body of Christ spurs one another on. And one of the greatest uh, things that should happen on Sunday mornings is that we are spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, towards being radically obedient. And as our world sees us being radically obedient, doing crazy things that he invites us into, or maybe it's little things, because maybe for you, radical obedience it's putting your hand on somebody's shoulder and saying, can I pray for you? Maybe for you, radical obedience is, is sharing the gospel with your neighbor. Maybe for you, radical obedience is packing your family up and heading overseas. But gospel-centered communities encourage each other in that Radical obedience. So as I look at gospel-centered communities, when, when they are functioning the way that Jesus said they should function, then, then we will be attractive. Because people want to be places where they know that they're loved, or they know that they're forgiven, or they know that they don't have to, to walk through life alone and, 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 and we're willing to, to, to carry each other's burdens. People want to be where, where they know that, that, that they can serve and be served. People want to be places where they know they're, they're so cared for that, that people are going to pray for them. And so my encouragement is, Fairlawn, let's be the church. Let's be a gospel-centered community that, that loves on each other and cares for each other. And, and, and let's be a community that, that is attractive, that tells the world that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. There's ways that you can get plugged in here. You know, we have community groups and um, adult Bible fellowships. If you're not connected in any way here, adult Bible fellowships are an entry point, an entry connection into relationships. And if you're just showing up on Sunday mornings and, and, and leaving and, and never engaging or being a part of, of the body here, then you're missing a lot of the beauty of what God created the community, the church community to be these things. And there's lots of ways that we accomplish that here or we work at accomplishing that here, but it begins with each one of us individually making a choice to do these things. Let's be attractive.
Let's be who he created us to be. Let's let our actions preach the gospel and then we tell people of the hope that we have through Christ. Let's pray. God, thanks for, I thank you for my church family here at Fairlawn. Lord, I thank you for all the, the, the people that, that come, that, that are invested, that care for and, 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 and love each other. Lord, I pray that, that we as a body would, would carry each other's burdens, that we would um, serve one another, we'd be generous with one another. Um, Father, that we would ultimately spur one another on as the body of Christ. And that you would be glorified through it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.